You can grab a seat. You having fun at church tonight? Yeah, it's good to have fun. It's good to have fun. Very, very cool. You guys can grab a seat and um, and uh, we'll, be, we'll get you back up in a second. It's very cool. I just think, um, uh, I just obviously we're going to man up for Friday night, Saturday. Um, there was a morning session and an afternoon session. And uh, I just, um, I was just reminded again of just the power of putting yourself in an, just an environment where God's moving, where people have faith, uh, you know. And um, I just heard an amazing testimony um, uh, from Equipus Church in Wanganui. So, um, and I think it, this just happened last week. That this, uh, it just, uh, it's just a miracle that's happened. And um, the, the Wanganui's guys were awesome. They were the guys doing all the food, and they just did an amazing, just amazing job of uh, catering. Yeah, it was just pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, but I was talking to one of the guys who was there doing the cooking and stuff, and he was telling the story. He said that uh, a couple in church, um, they're, they're, they're uh, pregnant, right? So their, their baby's growing, and they went for their... Uh, I think it's their first scan at 20 weeks, and they did the scan, um, and on the scan, it, sorry, clearly showed that the baby's nose and mouth and jaw uh, just wasn't there, um, just wasn't developed, and it's, that's like a parent's, uh, new parent's, like, worst nightmare, like, worst, worst nightmare, um, and just, you know, the implications were that the baby would never survive, so that, the, the, you know, that was the prognosis, hey, the baby can't survive, and, and so... Um, they went away for one week, and they said, come back in one week, and we're going to do a much more detailed scan, and then we'll start doing the DNA testing to try and find out what's going on. Um, they just love to find out what's going on. The main problem is that things are wrong, right? And so they got the whole church praying for a week between the scan and then the next scan, and uh, they all prayed for a week. Some people were fasting. Obviously, their, their uh, parents were fasting, and one week later, they went for another scan, and the baby's 100% normal. 100% normal development, a nose is paired, and they've got both scans. Uh, just phenomenal, do you know what I mean? And I was just like, I felt my faith lift, do you know what I mean? And that was just, my faith was lifted. I heard a story that I probably would never have heard if I hadn't been standing next to a guy in a line in a space where we were gathered together. And, you know, sometimes that's all church is, is putting yourself near people. Like what Putty was saying uh, with his e-group, you know, if you live anywhere near Putty and Amanda's house, that's where you should be on Monday night. Uh, just eat some food together, read the Bible on a Tuesday, you know, be at the midweek if you're a young adult and, uh, and be in those spaces, find an e-group uh, where you can grow and be in church because the, the, we can sometimes underestimate the power of that environment. Like all of the time we underestimate oxygen, don't we? All of the time we're not thinking about it. Uh, you know, I don't know how many times you see it in like a business setting or you see it in a sports team where someone leaves the team and someone who you think is not really making much of an impact and suddenly things start deteriorating in the team. And you suddenly, it's only then you realize what's going on. And I don't know, I know a bunch of people who stopped attending church for one reason or another. Um, and, then, and, and then their testimony or the stories they tell is that things changed in their world that they didn't realize. They didn't realize that they, the support of friends they had in church, the, the people that were praying for them, just the power of being in a praise and worship environment week in and week out. And I want to tell you that for true. I've been at, attending church morning and night uh, for 40 years, uh, 40 plus years, 40, yeah, and uh, I, I just know that there's, it's easier to underestimate the power of this environment than it is to overestimate it, amen? Yeah, very cool. Well, if you have your Bible, when you grab it, and we're going to read, um, in a minute, we're going to read from the book of James. How do you know it's going to get serious when you're going to read James? And uh, if you do really want to grow in God, James is a good book to read. If you just want to keep it, keep it, you know, keep it light, take it easy in your Christian walk, then don't read James. 
Um, but th- there's no point doing that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, James. And, uh, you know, it's Father's Day, and how many people have a dad? Anyone, anyone, anyone not have a dad? Uh, you might not have met your dad, but some, somewhere someone uh, is part of your history, you know. And I love the fact, one of the, my favorite passages to reflect on, one of my, one things that just, when I, all of the Bible is good to reflect on, but one of the passages that just constantly uh, changes my thinking, challenges my thinking, um, is Acts chapter 17, where God says that from one, na- from one man, God c- c- releases all of the nations of the world. From one blood, God calls all the nations of the world. And he determines who should, what, when they rise and when they fall. Uh, and God sets the boundaries, and the old translation says that God sets the boundaries of their habitation. And so often we think that we're just whoever we are in, in the space that we are. But actually, God determines the nations. God determines the families. God determines uh, what rises and what falls. God determines, you know, God determined the uh, migrations across the Pacific that del- delivered some of our families to Tuvalu, to Tuvalu, some of them to Samoa, and some of them to Aotearoa. God determined what nations would rise and what nations would fall. He determined how far each canoe would go, right? He determines those sorts of things. And so often we think that we're just in a random mix, but that's wrong thinking. God's the Father, and He determines the boundaries of our habitation. He determines what the family, what the human family looked like. He influences, and God's working through our history. So on a Father's Day, even if we maybe don't have a great relationship with our Father, even we might be in a position where we don't know our Father, or we might have a, a great relationship with our Father, either in any of those situations, the truth still remains that God determined where we'd be born. God determined what nation we'd be born to. God determined it. And he determined it according to Acts chapter 17, so that we would find him, so that we would seek for him, so we'd somehow reach out to him, even though in him we live and move and have our being. When we think of this idea, the Father, God, the Father, sometimes I think, and I said this this morning, I want to say it again, sometimes we, we narrow it down. So we know that the Bible says that we can come to God the Father and we can call out to Him, Abba Father, which is the Hebrew for Daddy. Abba is Dad, like Dad, not just like, yes, Father, but actually Dad. We can have a relationship, a love relationship with the Creator of the universe, which is phenomenal. Uh, the book of Zephaniah, I think it is, or one of those minor prophets, it says that God rejoices over us. When He sees us, His children, He rejoices over us with singing. The Hebrew is that He does backflips and dances. That's a God who loves us intimately. He loves us beyond what we know love to be. He, whatever you know of love, the greatest love experiences of your life in your family or in romantic relationship, God is an infinitely greater love than that, right? And on the other end of the spectrum, we know that Ephesians chapter 3 tells us that God is the Father from whom all the families on heaven, all of the things on heaven and earth derive their name. And we live in a big universe, Right? Walk to Parua, right? Walk to Parua. It's a big universe. It take you a long time to walk to Parua, right? How long is it going to take to walk around the world? But the world we know is just, in comparison to all of the universe, is just a tiny speck. It's a small planet among the nine or so in our solar system. I never can keep count. Our sun, even though the whole earth can fit across the diameter of the sun 86 times, our whole 
solar system, our sun is just a medium to small sized sun star inside the Milky Way. And the Milky Way is a galaxy containing something like 400 billion stars, of which our sun is just one. And the Milky Way is one galaxy among 400 billion galaxies. So how many stars might there be if you times 400 billion times 400 billion? I'm looking at you because you're an economist type guy. The actual answer, if you do it, is it's something like one or something like 10 to the power. So if you don't know how that works, I'm not going to explain it, but 10 to the power of 126,000. So it's the number 10 with 126,000 zeros on it. So this is not really a number we can put on the PowerPoint. Right? Count to, even just count to 126,000 one time. That's just counting the decimal places in the number of stars. This is a God who can father that. He creates it. He imagined it and speaks it into being. And how do you know that, that even that doesn't express the size and the magnitude of God? Because He's infinite. That's a finite number. That's a number we can count. God is infinitely greater than the number of stars in all of the universe. And yet, right at the other end of the spe- come on, right at the other end of our picture of God is Daddy God, who loves us more than anyone else would love us. He doesn't just love the 400 billion galaxies. He loves this one person on this one planet near this one star inside that one galaxy. He can see us. He loves us, and He calls us. He chooses us. He's a great, great God. And so whatever your relationship with your father on earth, uh, I love Dougal said this morning, whatever your relationship with your father on earth, a more important thing is for us to take the opportunity of Father's Day to think about our relationship with a heavenly father, with a God who loves us like that. Amen? Amen. Let's read James chapter 1. And I, like I said already, this is like seatbelts on the book of James. This is the book of James. He talks about lying. He talks about temptation. He talks about, hey, if no, maybe you don't have any faith because your lifestyles are shambles. Like he, James is Jesus' big brother. The fact that James is a Christian is the central testament to the reality of who Jesus was. I don't know if you have a little brother or sister. Do you have a little brother or sister? Can you imagine that they might be God? What would they have to do? Like, Dougal's pretty awesome. Like, I could be convinced, right? A couple of miracles, I'd be like, wow, it's God, right? But if it was my little brother claiming to be God, he would have to do some serious crap before I was even going to start to contemplate the possibility, right? This is my little brother who's been annoying me for his whole life, right? Right? James. I've got the little and big around the wrong. James is Jesus' little brother but he's the oldest of the others, right? He's called James the Just. They reckon he, he was also known as Camel Knees, James, because he prayed to such an extent that his knees were much like the knees of a camel. Uh, I'm not, I've never been referred to as Camel Knees, but it's I, not because I don't pray a lot. I just have lovely legs. But James the Just was ultimately thrown from the highest point of the temple by the, prison guard, the temple guards. They threw him from the highest point of the temple and he was killed that way. Pretty at that point, not recanting the fact that his older brother was actually God, right? So if you ever wonder, is Jesus real? Well, James thought so. (laughs) James thought that he was God incarnate. (laughs) 
Yeah, all right. Yeah, okay, this is what it says in James. Let's believe James, shall we, for just for tonight. I'm going to believe James. Okay, James chapter 1, I said verse 12. Eh? Maddie's going to throw it on the big screen. There you go. It says, God blesses those. No, he doesn't. God blesses the people who patiently endure steak dinners and desserts and holidays at Fiji. God blesses the people who patiently endure pay rise after pay rise. God blesses the people who patiently endure finding the perfect wife and having perfect children and living in a perfect neighborhood. God blesses people who patiently endure going to a perfect church with brilliant preaching and uh, great music and never games involving people getting injured and bouncing castle. God blesses people who patiently endure living in cities where the sun is always shining and the wind is never blowing. God blesses those, no, God blesses those who patiently endure testing. How many people want to be blessed? Not so many now, right? Yay, bless me, Jesus. Come on, we should pray for God to bless us, but we should know what we're praying. God bless me is like saying to Gordon Titchens, train me. Right? You don't say that. And if they be like, Gordon Titchens, he trains the All Black Sevens team. It suggested maybe they didn't do so well in the Olympics because two days before, he had them training for hours and hours a day in a heat chamber, right? The man's crazy, right? Let's just say he's crazy, right? But he produces some of the fittest athletes in the world, right? But you don't say to Gordon Titchens, train me, and then say to him on day one, oh, but I've got sore legs, man. But come on, how many people want to grow in God? How many people want everything that God's got planned for them? People are like, oh, I don't think I want what God's got planned for me. We have, wait, let's read the rest of the passage. Is that all right? God blesses those people who patiently endure testing. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. How many people want the crown of life that God's promised? I want the crown of life that God's promised. I don't want an actual princess crown. The crown of life is, the crown always talks about the encircling of power. It's the encircling of authority. When the Bible talks about crowning, it also means to surround something, right? A life that is full is what it's talking about. A life that's overflowing, a life that's abundant. It's also a life that's eternal, right? That's what God's promising us, but it's on the other side of testing. And remember, no one who wants to do wrong should ever say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone either. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions. Evil desires, evil actions. So we've got desires, evil desires, evil actions. Evil actions lead to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. What gets us into trouble is that we misunderstand the Father. He says right at the end of this passage, don't be misled. I want to suggest to you the best way to understand, to, to get into this passage, to understand it, for this passage to help you, is to start from the premise that you are misled. Because the passage cannot, this passage cannot instruct you if you think you know how God works. If you think you already know, you'll be like, do not be misled. I won't be misled because I'm a genius, right? If you're like me, I've learned to read the Bible over recent years like I'm the bad guy. I've found it's more helpful. 
I am the rocky soil, I am the hard pathway, I am the soil with the thistles, then the parable of the good soil actually helps me. Because I can realize that's speaking about things I need to address in my life. When I read David and Goliath, I no longer think of myself as David. I remember that really I'm Saul hiding in his tent, crying into my armor, right? That's really how I live my life, but I need to learn to be like David. I can't learn to be like David if I already think that's who I am, right? So who would like to be not misled? Okay, could I, what I'll do is I'll not mislead you for a moment. Let's take, we need a fine example. So let's take Isaac Sutherland as a fine example. Come on here, Isaac. So Isaac has just become a Christian. Let's imagine that Isaac's just become a Christian. Um, and uh, there he is, Isaac Sutherland, right? Awesome. Now, uh, when Isaac first becomes a Christian, what God does when we first begin following him as we're growing in God, and this is true, just to understand this, this is, this is true of our whole life, and it's also true of aspects of our life. When something is new in our life, God does this, as well as when our life is new, God does this, okay? What God does is God surrounds us with protection. So let's get some appropriate protection. We'll start with Patti and Sonia, uh, Nusa and AJ. That would be good protection. Alistair, maybe just sit there. We'll need the devil later on for this, so you sit there. Uh, <laughs> There you go. And so what God does, God surrounds us with protection. So just surround, just just surround. Okay, we might need a bit more intelligence here. A surround is like a circle right around. That's it. That's it, surround. Okay, link arms then, link arms there, protection. We need one. Yeah, Alistair, jump in. We need one more. It's not holding hands. That doesn't look strong enough. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Bind, bind, bind up, bind up. Yeah, bind up, bind up, bind up. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Alistair's got it right. Yeah, Alistair went to drama school. That's right. Spin around. You face this way. Face this way. Okay. So he's going to be attacked. So, okay. Now, when, when God surrounds us with protection, we understand, what I'm about to show you, we understand this from the book of Job. Read the whole book of Job and you'll see this, right? God surrounds Job and protects him and the devil comes to start picking things away. And God allows, God removes some of the protection that he has around Job's life. The devil brings the temptation God doesn't tempt anyone, right? But what does God want to do? God wants to expose for Isaac. God is wanting to teach Isaac that there's things inside him that are the enemy. Right? How many people know that's true of yourself? There's things inside you that are the enemy, as well as there are things out there that are the enemy. That's what makes the whole spiritual journey interesting. If it was just the enemy out there, what we could do is what the crusaders do and just kill all the non-Christians and then the world would be Christian. Except the problem then is that non-Christians is us too. We are, we, are, we, are, we are evil as well as good, right? We have evil desires in us that God is transforming, right? If we killed everyone who wasn't in church today, would this sin, sin still exist? I can confident, I can tell you for a fact even if it's not in you, it's still in me. Sin will still exist, right? Even if you kill all of the non-Christians, right? Right? There'd be more chance of getting rid of sin by killing all the Christians. No, just a joke. That's just a joke, right? So because God wants to grow Isaac, God doesn't want Isaac just to stay as a little baby Christian. God wants to grow Isaac, and I'll show at the end why God wants to grow him. God wants to grow Isaac into who God sees him to be, Right? So God removes some of the protection. So AJ, you can retire now. So an aspect now of Isaac's life comes under attack from the enemy. Now God didn't bring the attack, but God removes the protection because God wants to reveal something to Isaac, not to his judgmental Christian friends, but to Isaac. God wants to reveal something that he wants to transform, right? So God begins testing it 
The Bible says that God doesn't test beyond our ability to endure, right? But God tests Isaac and starts putting pressure there. And Isaac then has to develop faith. He has to trust in the grace of God to sustain him. Not just the grace of God to protect him from pressure, but the grace of God to sustain him in pressure, right? He cries out to God. He begins to develop faith. And now instead of it just being God's protection here, the grace of God develops in this area of Isaac's life. And now Isaac is strong in this area of his life. Was Isaac ever going to get strong around about lying? Let's say it's lying. Was Isaac ever going to learn how to tell the truth when under pressure if he wasn't put under temptation, under the temptation to tell lies under pressure? He was never going to learn how to do that unless there was this pressure created, right? But now that he has a strength in that space, Isaac then becomes a resource to anyone else facing pressure in that area of his life. I've chosen lying because it's not as squeamish as some of the other aspects of life that we find temptation, right? Right? But when Isaac develops strength there, then that strength becomes a resource to his church community. It becomes a resource to his friends, and it becomes a witness in the community where people can say, hey, there's a young man with real strength of character, right? That's how God reveals his glory, I read, I'm extending the message from this morning. This morning I preached about how the whole earth is waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. This is what it looks like. The revelation of the sons of God isn't the trumpets in heaven and all that. It might be trumpets in heaven, but how it actually plays out in our life is temptation and testing. Where we grow and we develop the capacities in the grace of God, not in our own discipline, but in the grace of God. We learn to trust God when we're under pressure. We learn to repent when we make mistakes. And God, the grace of God develops in us in a way that we begin to reveal the glory of God out of our earthen vessel, right? So it's not that we're perfect people. If we were perfect people, where would the grace and glory of God be revealed? Right? Very good. Okay, so once then Isaac's got strength in that area, what does God do then next? If God's a great personal trainer, what does God do? He puts more pressure on. He says, okay, well, let's develop some strength here in your life. So Isaac goes through the same circumstance again. Temptation or testing comes. The devil puts him under pressure. His evil desires rise up in that area of his life. He has to deal with those things. He has to learn to repent. He has to appropriate the grace of God, find freedom in that area. I'm not talking about, hey, come to church and just lift your hands. That's just part of the process. The process of growing and developing in any area of your life actually does take some time. Miracles don't take time, but the process of growing and developing takes time. How many people know that a miracle is different to the process of growing and developing? Okay, so for the baby whose mouth was completely miraculously rebuilt, very, very important for that baby, right? That baby's going to be born and hear that story over and over again. And that baby's going to grow with a sense of God's miracle power, God's care, for their mum and dad, it's just one little lesson in their learning journey of trust. The learning journey of trust for them will go on. That's not the last time they're going to feel like, man, we really need God to break through. But next time they really need God to break through, uh, they're going to be in a stronger position than they were beforehand. Why? Because they've got this gap happened in life by circumstance and DNA or however, and God filled the gap. Now when other gaps appear in the life of a person who's got testimonies of faith, there's greater and greater strength now where we learn, sorry, Sonny, I was trying to push you over there to make, make new friends. No. Uh, and there's greater and greater strength. So now Isaac becomes more and more in the image that God has for him, right? Ta-da. So when I said this morning that, 
like a theater, the real things of God happen behind the curtain. Behind the curtain of our life, God's working. We know Joseph was behind the curtain in the prison. Moses, behind the curtain in the wilderness. Jesus went behind the curtain into the wilderness for 40 days. God does things and God works, but then there's this revelation, right, of this new thing that God's doing in our life where we become a strength to others around us, where we become strong in God, right? That process is called your whole life. Growing and developing, and then you become ultimately everything God's called you to be, right? Awesome. Give Isaac a huge hand. Do not be misled, is what James said. Do not be misled. Temptation comes from the devil, comes from our evil desires, right? But God does know what's going on. We know that from the book of Job. God knows what's going on, and God allows us to come under pressure, not, so the, not to break us, but to develop us. Also, how will you ever know how strong you are in God unless you come learn how to rely on Him? Right? Because you know, what happens when... Let's slow down with one little What happens when you're tempted and you sin? You learn how weak you are. Very, very important lesson. You must learn how weak you are. Under the right circumstances and in the right situation, you will fall. You must, you've got to learn that. And you'll, if you haven't learned that to some extent already, I don't know where you've been, right? But you know, right, when the pressure's on, then we make mistakes. We run to the wrong gods. We run to alcohol. We run to we we meet our needs somewhere outside of God. We sin. We come short of what God has for us. Right. Once you've learned how weak you are, then you can begin to learn the strength of the grace of God. The problem with religious people is that they never learn how weak they are, so they never appropriate the grace of God. They just keep covering up their weaknesses, putting on a strong face, pretending everything's okay. They never actually come to terms with the fact, I can't do this. If you never come to the terms of the fact that I can't do this Christian life, then you'll never be able to do it. But once you come to the reality that I can't do this Christian life, suddenly it begins to flow because the grace of God becomes available to you. This is really important, right? It's really important. I know it's a bit teachy and diagrams and many examples, but it's really, really important that you're not misled. Don't misunderstand the Father. He's a God who loves us intimately and deeply. And he's a God of all power and extreme. But he also, he's just like any other dad. He's got a plan. He's got a dream for you. And he wants to see you become it. I was talking to one of the dads from the Lower Hutt Church from Wainui. I keep forgetting his name. Wayne. He's one of the elders. He's just an awesome, awesome dude, Wayne. And uh, he plays guitar. He's an old school rocker. And he's Wainui Amada, right? If you want to know what Wainui Amada looks, he's Wainui Amada. His dad built a house with his own hands in Moores Valley in Wainui, like in 19-something or other, 67, right? This guy's Wainui, right? Rides dirt bikes, shoots guns, motor mechanic. He's awesome. He's just an awesome, awesome dude, right? He also knows the Bible inside out, Wayne does. Uh, he's just like, a, like he's a, uh, you know, like Shane. When you touch, start talking to Shane about the Bible, it's like, whoa, here's someone. I might talk to this guy about the Bible more, right? And I was, we were just chatting at Carl's Jr. And, and, uh, over lunch, and we were talking about BMX because I like mountain biking with my kids, and he takes uh, his kids doing BMX because he's like, this guy's a mad BMXer. Like, he's, he must be 50, Wayne. He must be 50. But he could, bunny, he could bunny hop a BMX onto the stage, right? He can walk, bunny walk a BMX, like front wheel, back wheel, over the fence. He can jump, like massive jump. He's just awesome, right? And so he's got his kids all into BMX and stuff like that. Well, I was part of the BMX club in Wainui. And I said, oh, we ride our mountain bikes at the BMX club and our BMX track in Karori, you know? 
and we were talking about it. He goes, oh, yeah, I took my son there, you know, and uh, we were racing around. And oh, I said, you know, it's pretty, in- it's got a really big start. I said, that's pretty intimidating. You come down the start of the BMX track. Do you know what I mean? It's got, the, it's got a concrete track that you come down to get enough speed. And then it's got a really brutal first jump. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you've got to rent a bike and, ha- and ride it. It's just terrifying, right? It's got a really brutal first jump. And he goes, oh, yeah, no, I took my son there. I started him at the top. And he came off, came a cropper on the first jump, and it took me ages to get him going again, and he didn't want to ride it anymore. And so we just, you know, built it up. I took him back, you know, just a couple of meters up the thing and built it back, and we slowly got him going again. You know, because there's only three. <laughs> I was like, he's what? Three? Because that's what a dad does. Come on, son, you can do it. Oh, he come off. Oh, let's slow it down a bit. It's what God does. Come on, James, you can do it. And then you fall over and he goes, oh, we better slow it down a bit for James. Because he's only three. But he's just like any dad. God, God thinks you're amazing. Because he constantly, like any dad, he's constantly seeing your potential. And he gets excited about it. He's like, come on, let's stretch up to the potential. Let's stretch up to the potential. Dads do crazy things. I had a friend whose his, um, Sakalia's dad used to take, drive him all around um, Auckland to play rugby league. But he had to run home if he didn't score a try. <laughs> one time he had to run from he had to run for, at one point from West Harbour he had to run from West Harbour to Point England which must be something like 35 kilometres how many people know you scored tries after that you just score tries I'm not suggesting that that's quality parenting but it's something that's in the heart of dad that says come on you can do it if you know anything about Sakalia he, he could score tries right he's built for it right and God sees your potential and all we remember is how bad it hurts when we fall. How terrible it would be if that three-year-old, when he comes off that bike, if he thinks, my dad doesn't love me anymore. Because dad knows what's going on. Hey, he just fell off. That's the grace of God that's extended to us. I don't think you've ever deliberately ruining your life. But you have desires in your heart that go wrong. And you, you can ruin your life. But God knows that it's the desires in your heart that you need to learn to control. Just like a little kid. When a three-year-old's riding a BMX track, not that I ever put a three-year-old on a BMX track. They have to learn to control the jump. They have to learn to control what they're doing, right? Everyone understand, if does everyone understand there's testing and there's temptation? God rewards us when we patiently endure testing. That's how we achieve the crown of life. When we face up to the challenges around us. Next time you're under pressure, I want you to remember that picture. Okay, God's trying to grow me in this area. Not, I can't believe I've got no money. No, God's trying to grow me in this area. I can't believe I've got so many assignments at once. No, God's trying to grow you in an area. I can't believe that she won't, uh, she said no and won't, uh, I asked her out and she said no. God's trying to grow you in that area. God also might be trying to grow her in that area, right? You also might need to brush your teeth every day, right? There's things you got to, you know, we just straight away, my life's falling apart, right? No, your life's not falling apart. God is making you into the thing that you're called to be. And yes, it feels terrible, but God is at work in it. Amen? Very, very good. Why don't we play the, can we play the keyboards? Not we all. Let's just get Wakash to do it. <laughs> yeah, actually, we should, yeah, let's get Jack to do it. Jack, play the keyboard for us. Yeah. Go on, Jack. Who reckons Jack could do it? Yeah, Jack do it. 
Jack, play the keyboard. Uh, Wakash, you can play the bass. Alistair, you can um, you can have the rest of the afternoon off because you work so hard. Yeah. Just put that pad thing on. Can we do that? Do what you do. What you're doing. It was, I just think it sounded so good before the service he was playing. I thought, let's get Jack to play when we're praying at the end. Is that all right? How many people? How many people know what it feels like to be under pressure? Yeah. The question is, what are you going to do? Because what you're currently doing, ah, it's not working, right? It's not helping. Do you, know, do you know the number one thing that drives you back into temptation, back into the sin you keep doing, is how bad you feel about the sin you did. You know, that little kid who falls off the BMX, what's the thing that will mean that they never can do that jump? It's how bad they feel about the fact that they fell off. Oh, I'll never do it. That's what kids say, oh, I'll never be able to do it, right? None of you would be wearing laced up shoes, wiping your own backsides if you had an attitude in your life, right? Oh, I'll never be able to do it. You, at some point, you've got to learn how to do it, don't you? At what point do we stop saying, I want to grow, I want to, I want to develop, I want to become what God's called me to be? Because you never, you, you never used to understand a thing when you read the Bible. You used to never, you used to never care at all when you swore, right? But now, some, now you care at church at least, right? That's, that's development, right? <laughs> One day Dougal will stop swearing, right? But it's not, right, you know. <laughs> but come on, God grows us. And I'm just using that as a silly example, right? Because you remember when you used to just do rah, 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 effing and blinding, right? But now you become aware of the power of your language and God's growing you in grace in that area. But think about the other areas of life. Why wouldn't they be just the same? What about learning to control your sexual desire? Come on. That you, you can learn, you can learn to manage it. Well, I can't, I can't, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm just shameful and messy. No, you're crashing, you keep crashing. You keep crashing. <laughs> That's why you have some boundaries and start a little bit lower. Don't put yourself under pressure right at the top of the hill all the time, right? Learn to develop, learn to grow. Allow God to do a work of grace. Come on, it's not a work of discipline, it's a work of grace. You don't need more and more discipline, you need more and more of the grace of God in your world. Amen. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your head? I want us to pray. First of all, I want to give people an opportunity to respond to Jesus. If, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and your Savior, if you've never taken the opportunity to pray a prayer and say, God, I, I want to receive your grace. I want to receive forgiveness. I want, I want to receive your love. Could I lead you in a prayer tonight where you can do that? Maybe you've made this decision ages ago, but if that's you, just while everyone's got their heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you, just give me a quick wave and say, yeah, I'd like to pray a prayer. I'd like God to forgive my sin. I'd like to begin a journey as a follower of Jesus. If that's you, give me a wave. I haven't seen anybody's hand yet, but just make it real clear for me if that's you, and then we can pray in just a second. Now that's awesome. I just, want, I just want to pray, particularly I want to pray for people who are feeling pressure. You're feeling like, well, actually there's two, two things. I want to pray for people who are under pressure. You're feeling under pressure. Maybe you're thinking, oh, I don't know if this God thing will work. Maybe I need to make my own plan. Oh, I reckon, I, I don't know about the Bible stuff. I don't know about that. If you're feeling that pressure, and I'm not suggesting you're a bad person or anything like that, all of us have those sorts of pressures. If you're feeling that pressure, I just want to pray for the grace of God to impact your world and, that you, that you, and, and for courage to come into your heart. Oh, I, I pray every Sunday, I pray, God, I pray that people would go away with more courage than when they came braver than when they came. And I pray that tonight as well, that you go away braver, able to trust that God's got a process. He's working it out in your world. 
If that's you, I just want you to, just want you to respond to God in your heart and I'll pray. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for people who are feeling that. And Lord, they're responding to you and I don't need to know how, who they are. I, I know how they feel. I know the questions that are in their mind. I know the pressure that they are under. And Lord God, right now I pray for them that they'd know your grace that they'd know your strength. Lord God, we pray for others in church who aren't here, even others of our friends and our family. And Lord, we can see they're under pressure. We can see that they may be making mistakes or making decisions that aren't helping them. And Lord, we pray, Lord, for your grace to reach out to them. Lord God, that your truth would, would capture their attention. Lord God, that they'd realize that you are a God who loves them deeply. And you are a God powerful enough to change the circumstances for them. And Lord God, that you are a God of grace. So graceful, so gracious. We can trust you. We can rely upon you. Lord, we pray that that would be our revelation. That would be the air that we move in, the way that we operate, the, the, way, the way that we operate as a church, as a church family. I want to pray also for, for people in, maybe this might be a bit of a stretch because Maybe you feel like the little kid who's fallen off the bike. No, you, haven't, you don't feel like that. But you feel that same feeling of, I'll never, I'll never get over this. I'll never be strong in this. I'll never have victory in this. It might be things like, I'll never be able to get my finances sorted. Or it might be things like, I'll never be able to manage relationships. Or I'll never be able to manage my sexuality. I'll never be able to manage my view of myself. Whatever that is, I want to pray for you again, just like the previous group. I don't need to know who you are because I know exactly how you feel. And I also know that the grace of God is available to you. I want to encourage you two things. I want you to respond now in your heart and say, just say to the Holy Spirit, that's me. He's talking about me, Holy Spirit. I'm feeling some of those things. I'm feeling maybe all of those things and others. Just respond to the Holy Spirit. I want you, I want you to encourage that first of all. And number two, would you make an appointment to talk to someone this week? You can talk to me. You could talk to, to Chrissy. You could talk to Patsy or Amanda or Alistair or Emily. Jono or Emma. You got seriously, you've got options. Dougal or Rachel. There's people you can talk to. All of those people are people who know what I'm talking about. They've all been, they've all done enough life to be able to help you one more step in your journey. I'm gonna pray, but respond to the Holy Spirit now. Open your heart to Him. But also just think, yeah, I want to meet with someone. I want, I want to Facebook someone and make a time to chat. Or I'm gonna even you could even ring them. You don't have to use Facebook. I'll make an appointment, chat with someone, and find some breakthrough in the area of life. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I pray. Well, I just thank you, God, that you're building strength in us as your people. We thank you that you are our Father, and because you love us, Lord, you want us to grow. And Lord, I pray for Equipus Church Wellington that we would not be misled. We would understand this process of tempting and testing testing and temptation, and we would understand the truth that every good and every perfect gift comes from you. Showered down from the Father is light, in whom there is no shadow, there's no shifting, there's no changing position. Lord, we thank you for the book of James. We thank you for the truth, Lord God, that it brings to us. But Lord, we remember, God, that you are this God. We, will, we don't want to be misled. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from you. You created all of heaven's lights, but you never change and you never cast shifting shadow. 
in your goodness, you chose to make us your own children by giving us your true word. And we, out of all of creation, have become your choice possession. Do not be misled. Every good, every perfect gift comes from God. In Him, there's no shadow, there's no shifting, there's no changing. He's 100% reliable. And out of all of the things He created, He chose us to be His prized possession. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet and just lift your hands? I reckon we could worship for a minute. Just as Jack's playing. Why don't you just lift your hands and just if you're comfortable, just you could pray a prayer. You could let a song come out of your heart, out of your mouth. Just maybe just break the silence with your voice. Just say something like, Jesus, thank you. God, we praise you. Jesus, we know that your love is extended to us. Your grace is extended to us. Lord, we choose to worship you, God. You alone, God. You alone, Jesus. grace. And Lord, we pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would be with us. Lord God, we pray into this week, Lord God, we thank you for the divine appointments you've set up, the things you've called us to walk in. Lord God, I pray that our life would be a song of worship to you, Lord God, that as we step it out, Lord God, that you'd work in our world. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen. Let's give God a shout of praise. Is that all right? He's a good God. Awesome. Hey, I know Patsy mentioned e-groups, and I, I just want to remind you, we, we talk about them a lot, but um, we just want to encourage you to find a space. There's a, and we, we'll be, we, probably in the next couple of weeks, we're bringing people around and just probably just like just nudging people towards an e-group. And if I ring you up or, if, you know, Chrissy or Laura rings you up or Patsy or someone rings you up and says, hey, why don't you come along? Uh, just would you feel, in, just feel invited? You don't have, ever have to go. But just feel, okay, I'm invited. I feel like I could be part of it. Don't, you don't ever feel, I pray that no one feels pressure in church, but I do pray that you feel nudged in the right direction. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. we don't want people to feel manipulated, but we do want you to feel encouraged and, and welcome into the stuff that we really think is going to help you. Amen.